0: Extraordinary session of the Missouri General Assembly. So, an extraordinary edition of this week of Missouri Politics from the state capitol with Senator Tony Luchtenmeyer, man, the center of the tax cut negotiations. So, have you, how many pencils have you went through so far calculating the tax cut?
1: Uh, you know, I've had some great conversations with Dan Hogg, the state yeah. budget director, and I've, I, I, I'm not a pencil guy, I'm more of a pen guy, but yes, I've, I've ran the ink dry on a few of my
0: pens. So, let's walk it through. The governor comes out, there's a masbut bill. I think everybody, Democrats, all agree needs to get done, right? Right. Didn't get, got two years. Were you surprised the governor vetoed it? He kind of surprised, I know he said he was. I didn't think he would do it. Did you think he would?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, there was a a signal from the governor's office that might happen, so I wasn't totally surprised by that, that that they followed through and they did it. Um, You know, I think there were some folks thought, maybe you sign it, you get the two years guaranteed, and then you call a special session, you ask for the additional four to get us up to six. Um, You know, that's his prerogative, and and that's the approach that he decided to take, and we will, you know, work through that during the session.
0: All right, so let's start with the ag part of the special session. It feels as though the Senate was where the the conflict was. You were able to get two years out during regular session. It kind of feels, the feeling in the rotunda today is, the Masvidah part has kind of, there's a solution there that's formulating, right? Yeah,
1: it seems like that, Oddly enough, and yes. I would not have bet this yep. at the beginning when the call initially came out from the governor's office. That seems to be the less—I don't know if "controversial" is the right word—but it seems to be the piece where there tends to be a lot more synergy and a lot more agreement um, on that piece of the, of the governor's call.
0: So now the tax cut—you got the House that started off at what two billion or whatever; the Senate started off some of the Senate leadership around five, six hundred million. The governor was at seven. It sort of feels like these parties were very far apart. But something about all of you getting here today feels like there was a little movement towards a common ground.
1: Yeah, I think there's some some coming together. I mean, we just had our caucus meeting, and you know, I think first of all, let me just say, I'm supportive of the governor's proposal. You know, I think it's it's fiscally prudent. I think it's sustainable into the future, um, and it also gives a broad-based tax cut to, to everybody. So people all over the income bracket, including low-income individuals, are going to be benefiting from this. You know, let's recall that the governor's uh, call for the special session included eliminating the bottom tax bracket, meaning anybody who's making sixteen thousand dollars a year or less, or couples making thirty-two thousand dollars a year or less will no longer pay any state income taxes whatsoever. This is the same population of individuals who, by the way, uh, qualify for Medicaid. So they were low income individuals. But then in addition, he gives tax relief, relief to people who are middle income as well, because uh, we've got the increase of the standard deduction by $2,000, $4,000 for couples. And so I am a big supporter of what the governor's trying to do. now. As is the case in any special session that I've been involved with, the legislature is always going to tinker around the edges. But I think you know you'll see this process play out where um, a lot of what the governor asked for in his call will end up being in the bill, and then there will be some fingerprints that are on it that are kind of uh, hallmarks from the Senate and the House as we go through the legislative process. It'll change it a little bit.
0: I've seen the governor's office be pretty open to some of those ideas. I mean, it's like I agree with you. There's tinkering, but I think some of the things there's been ideas from the legislature, I think they've adopted and said we support them. I Might even better.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I've had some conversations recently with the governor's office, and, and they understand that the legislative yeah. process is going to change somewhat what was in the initial call. I mean, the governor's you know no stranger to the General Assembly. He served eight years in the House. He served in the Senate. He understands how the process works, and he understands there's going to be some tinkering around the edges. And I think generally that is correct, that that they are open to some of those ideas and that input from the legislature.
0: So sum this up, what, uh do you believe a tax cut bill does pass
1: i believe a tax cut bill does pass
0: does it pass? where where are you looking at it number wise is it going to be somewhere in 800 million a billion
1: yeah i i think we're going to see somewhere between the 700 million fiscal note that was called for in the governor's office and maybe 800 million somewhere in that range i think it's going to be a fairly tight band of about 100 million dollars
0: how hard is this to pass to the missouri senate
1: um You know, what what will be interesting to see is, we as a Republican caucus got together and there seemed to be a fair amount of agreement whenever we were in caucus about where we wanted to go with this. Everybody agrees that we need to have a tax cut. We need to help families who are struggling right now with inflation. Uh, The question is, whether you do you know, a stimulus on the front end rather than some immediate uh, 509 triggers, or whether you um, you know, accelerate those, which is what the governor's call uh, has asked for. And so we're working through some of those components, but I think there's broad-based agreement in the Republican caucus right now that we need to do a tax cut, we need to provide relief to Missouri families that are struggling with inflation.
0: Broad-based agreement in the Republican caucus is not a phrase very often used to describe the Missouri Republican Senate caucus. Yeah. Tell me about the caucus right now. I mean, it just feels like um, it feels like after the November elections, folks are probably as far apart as ever. Am I wrong?
1: You know, um, I saw something a little bit different on the floor today, and I'm, I'm maybe being a little bit too much of an optimist. But you know, I looked at the speech that Bill White made, for example, on the floor today. Very classy. It's a very classy, um, you know, speech. Um, you know, he gave what I thought was very sage advice to you know people coming together and, and working for the common good and keeping their focus on their constituents. Um, I've actually heard that from a lot of different people and without going into anybody's names with private conversations I've had with other senators, including people who were in what was formerly the conservative caucus. um, I've had individuals come up and say, look, we want to find a way to chart a path forward to get along and to be able to move the state forward. And so I I still remain optimistic of a functioning Senate next year.
0: And I believe the sincerity of that. However, the first time somebody's bill doesn't get referred, the first time, it's not their bill that it's to carry the, this piece of legislation on an issue they care about. Do, does that feeling hold up? Because I believe people are sincere about mm-hmm. that today. But most of the way it got here was over leadership raises, which you have one going on right now, right. and over personal insults more than public policy. Right. You
1: know, um, I, I hope, and, and I've, I've preached this a lot both on the floor and in caucus, mm-hmm. I hope we get back to an atmosphere of professionalism. You know, when I first came to the Senate my first two years, anytime you would see somebody hurling insults at someone else over social media and it was a member of the General Assembly, it was always happening in the House. It was never something that happened yes. in the Senate. Um, Democrats did not say bad things about Republicans on social media. Republicans did not say bad things about Democrats. We certainly Republicans didn't. Republicans
0: didn't campaign against Republicans.
1: Exactly. And so I'm hoping that you know after the dust settles and we get through the general election and everybody is is in the room and we're having our caucus retreat, we figure out who's going to lead the Senate. Um, I'm hopeful that we can all come together. And I and I do sense that there's a genuineness among a lot of the members that I've spoken to that they want to get to that place.
0: So tell me about the the conservative caucus, something that formed. After a very contentious leadership election mm-hmm. a few years ago, you have another contentious leadership election now. Uh, a couple candidates, three candidates that I know about, they're vying for the job openly. Um, end of the day, can all this hope of good getting along actually survive past that leadership election?
1: Yeah, I think it can. I think it can. Um, You know, I think we need to make sure that we have a candidate that has a really good idea of how we can chart a smooth path forward in the Senate. What we cannot do is we cannot hit the repeat button. We can't go back and do all the same things that happened during the last two sessions because we're going to get more of the same. And so we need to have, um, you know, and I'm talking to all three of the people who are planning on running for floor leader, hearing about their vision. And that's what I want to know. What what is the way that you can get the caucus to function together as a unit and to make sure that we're passing good, meaningful, policies. Policies that are not only good for the Republican brand and, and good for conservatism in Missouri, but at the same time making sure that people are getting individual priorities passed at, you know, that matter to their district. You know, there may be a member of the Senate that has something that is not necessarily even partisan at all in nature, but it's really important to their constituents back at home. One of the jobs of the floor leader and the pro tem is to make sure we're shepherding all those priorities through and making sure that all members of the caucus feel like they're being heard.
0: So, you, you go down that road, whoever the floor leader is, it feels like right now, if I had to guess, Cinder Rowden probably has 13 commitments to be pro tem. It feels like nobody has 13 commitments to be a floor leader.
1: You know, I, I don't know. You actually probably would have better insights I mean, into that not. than, than I do. You're
0: somebody that's respected in both camps, mm-hmm. the, the majority of the majority, the minority of the majority. Mm-hmm. You're somebody who's passed big lo- big piece of legislation. You're somebody that can fundraise, that can do communications. You've done the show very well many times, which I'm grateful for. If they deadlock and they came to you and said, as a compromised candidate, is something you'd entertain.
1: You know, I, I've, I've decided that one of the best ways that I can serve the caucus is to be the caucus chairman, and that's the position that I've put in for. Um, you know, that involves, you know, helping lead caucus meetings, which I actually think is really important to make sure that people are are speaking to each other in a, just collegial, sounds like the worst to a collegial, in the right into a collegial environment, you know, making sure that we're raising money, um, you know, for the caucus to make sure that we have the resources that we need to keep our Republican super majorities. And so that's the position that I'm focused on running for.
0: So let's talk, um an issue that is very near and dear to your heart, and that's police. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may not have a better friend of uh, police than you do in the in the state, in the General Assembly. Yeah. You've come up. You've had some pretty sharp critiques about the city of Kansas City's police budget. Mm-hmm. But the, give me the give me the view of someone. Maybe they're watching this show in St. Clair County, yeah. but they want to, when they go to the Chiefs game, the World's game, or the Plaza for the Christmas. They want to feel safe.
1: They wanna feel safe whenever they're in the city of Kansas City, but in addition to that, I would argue that even people who aren't in Kansas City, Kansas City and St. Louis are such huge parts of the Missouri economy yeah. overall, that if if you have a problem with crime in one of those cities and you have businesses that decide to leave because their employees feel unsafe, for example, uh, that has a ripple effect across the entire Missouri economy, and so that's a problem. You know, Kansas City has the largest police force in the entire state, and they have a unique leadership structure where the state, um, appoints the members of the Board of Police Commissioners. The governor actually appoints four lay members who have to be Kansas City residents. That's a common misconception that there's not local control over the police department. The Kansas City Police Department is run by Kansas Cityans. Uh, The four lay members, including uh, the the mayor of Kansas City, and then those members, uh, Sands the mayor, are confirmed by the Missouri Senate. And so um, there's, there's local representatives, I think we have six members of the Senate who represent portions of Kansas City. Any one of those members, if they had an objection to a nominee to the board of police commissioners, could stand up and filibuster that nominee and, and probably kill the nomination. So uh, we already have a process where we have really good people, in my opinion. We have, a, we have a really well-run police department in Kansas City, and it's because of the leadership structure that we have in place right now. Giving politicians in, in city hall control over the police department, I think would be a terrible thing for public safety in Kansas well, let's
0: City. let's be honest. The police themselves yeah. like the current system. I, I think they do. So, tell me about the ballot measure that's coming up in November for Kansas City
1: Yeah, so, um, as an exception to the Hancock Amendment. Hancock, most of the time when people talk about it in the Constitution, they're referencing the piece that says the legislature or local government cannot raise taxes by a certain percentage without a vote of the people. Well, one of the lesser-known provisions uh, says that the state cannot mandate funding by local government. And so, what we did during the legislative session is we put on the ballot, through a Senate joint resolution that I passed, a question that says to voters, Can the Missouri General Assembly establish minimum funding for police to make sure that they have the resources they need to protect their communities? And so the entire state, because it's an amendment to the Constitution, will have an opportunity to vote on that in November. And I believe that people in Missouri overwhelmingly support our men and women in law enforcement and that that will pass.
0: I mean, you you hear all this stuff about defund the police. And if you just watch certain news shows, you think it's successful or, or popular. I watched St. Louis County pass an increase in funding for cops, which We can talk all we want. When you're willing to dig in your wallet, you mean it. Sure. Then I watched St. Louis City pass a provision for increased funding in COPS. I'm like, well, if you're gonna tell me the places it wouldn't pass, that would be the places, right? Yeah. I think it it goes against that narrative.
1: It's it's interesting because I think that in a lot of the major metro areas where we see higher crime rates, Mm People in those areas, they actually want police more because they see the daily need for it, because of the impact that it has on their lives and the safety of their families.
0: Senator Luke DeMeyer, we look forward to watching the special session unfold. And maybe we can come back when it's over and talk about it on This Week in Missouri Politics. Sounds great. We'll be right back with our opinion maker panel, Don Mayhew's gonna join us. But first, go to Show Me Missouri, this year Missouri, one county at a time. This week, we did Show Me Missouri rivalries, we talked about the South Iron Panthers, the back-to-back state champions. Coach Dingens, the whole crew had a great time down in South Iron. MissouriMissouri.com, This Missouri, Missouri, one County time. We'll be right back after
2: this. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum right to work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more.
1: All rise for Judge Mike Carter, Sundays on ABC 30, host of the Cowboy and Judge Show. Tune in for community advocate Judge Mike Carter and his celebrity guests, as they discuss today's hot topics and big issues here at home in Missouri. Hear about the power of good from community leaders, business owners, students, charities, and tons of familiar faces. Court is in session with Judge Mike Carter on the Cowboy and Judge Show. Available at MikeCarter.com or Sundays on ABC 30. The
3: Cowboy Judge Show. Giddy up, giddy up.
4: Your energy needs are changing. That's why at Ameren, Missouri, we're not waiting on the future. We're building it with the Smart Energy Plan, advancing thousands of projects across the state, helping reduce emissions through cleaner energy sources, boost reliability with self-healing equipment, and better withstand storms with new composite poles. Moving Missouri forward and bringing us all a little closer together. That's energy at work, Amron, Missouri.
0: Welcome back to This Week in Missouri Politics, opinion maker panel time. Don Mayhew, State Representative down I-44. Welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you, thank you, great to be here. Maggie Nuremberg from Kansas City, welcome back.
4: Thanks, Scott, thanks for having me.
0: Lawrence Bill Hardwick, (laughs) also (laughs) from Pulaski County, Uh, very thankful to have you on the show, sir.
3: Me being on the show is a true Cinderella story, Scott.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I believe you, Lawrence. And Chris Sander from uh, Kansas City area, Welcome back. First time on the show, right? Right. First time. Yeah. Thank All right, Don May. You can I fish an opinion out of you about special session? You, oh, you didn't my cut God. my taxes or not?
2: Well, you, you know, I've always got an opinion on something. <laughs> no. Um, I'm not exactly sure what we're going to accomplish, but I I, uh, I know what I'd like to accomplish. What would you like to accomplish? Well, I'd like to accomplish this tax cut for the people of Missouri. Uh, give some of the money back that we took away from them. So How big a tax cut? So I would be the guy in the billion-dollar category. I know we're probably more in the uh, $750 million, and that's a nice start. But uh, we do have $7 billion left over. And uh, admittedly, we're probably going to be looking at uh, some budget restrictions in future years. Maybe we need to moderate that just a little bit in order to make sure we cover that.
0: Sounds like an actual businessman a K Wonder public. Republic. Yeah. Yeah. Maggie Nuremberg, tell me the truth. What do you, are you against any tax cut, or are you against too big of a tax cut?
4: Well, what I have seen, and again, there's no bill before the House right now, so I'm very curious to read that once we have that. But what I've seen in the governor's plan is that it's incredibly short-sighted. Um, I think what we are doing is we are putting at risk the state's long-term financial stability for short-term political gain. That's what I'm concerned about. I want to talk about real relief for working families. I think we need to start talking and having serious conversations about cutting sales tax. Cutting taxes on food, cutting taxes on diapers, cutting taxes on you know hygiene products. That's what people in my community are talking about. What we're doing here and talking about bankrupting the state in years to come and not being able to fund vital services because we have $1 billion less less than general revenue. Um, very great concerns about that, Scott.
0: I had dinner with some business leaders last week and their concern was it's not really money that the state has taken from people. It's money the federal government has borrowed and they've dumped on the state. So your tax cut is not necessarily that Missouri's revenues are that different. It's that the federal governments give
4: you all this money. And I think that's what we're looking at right now. We do have an incredible surplus, but again, that is short term. We're talking about years down the line, what's going to happen. I think we can look next door to Kansas and see what happens. You don't want Missouri to be a
0: lottery winner where three years later they're bankrupt. Exactly. Bill, tell me the truth. You've got a lot of numbers out there. It feels like there's some consensus amongst folks around that $800, $800 million number. You could probably pencil with this a few different ways. End of the day, the you worry? I mean, the state runs on contracts, usually annuals. Your revenues are up because of the percentage of spending, but also inflation
3: is going to affect the state's expenses too, right? That's right. I think there's an appetite for a tax cut I think inflation is going to affect our expenses, but inflation is also one of the drivers why revenues are up. There's more mm-hmm. money in the economy, yeah. there are more, there's more dollars chasing fewer goods and services. So that's going to bring revenues up, but it's like you said, the operating costs the state are going to go up too. So I think you know both uh, Representative Mayhew and Representative Nuremberg have a point that we want to give money back to people, that conservatism is about limited government, about giving freedom back to people. It's also about fiscal responsibility, and knowing we don't know all the things that are gonna happen. We don't know what the economy is gonna look like in a year or four years, or what federal funding is gonna look like to our state. So we need to think long-term. We need to think about what's sustainable. We want to give uh, power and money back to the people. but We also want to think about, okay, what could go wrong in our economy that we don't know about? And how do we plan to make sure that we're able to meet our obligations and be responsible through things like that?
0: So where's, what number are you looking at? What number sounds good to you? Uh,
3: the 700, 800 million dollar range seems, mm-hmm. seems like a pretty good range. I mean, there are different models that we've talked about and seen about if revenues go up or down. But you know, uh, a lot of
5: that's, We don't really know what's going to look like a year from
0: now. Representative Sanders, tell me the truth. You come in, you, you've you heard numbers shot all over the place. Mm-hmm. What number sounds better to you?
5: Well, the governor put in his proclamation 701 million or less, so I'm fine with 70, 701. Yep. That's a nice. good place to start, and then let's move something at 701. If we want to change something, we'll do it at the demand.
0: Don Mayhew, there's economic incentives. Every state has them. Missouri has them. Right now, if you want to start a Starbucks on Washington Avenue, you get a six-year economic development program. But if you're going to do a farm in Webster County, they give you two.
2: The governor thought that was unfair, vetoed it. Are they going to get Mazda done? Well, so the way that I kind of look at that tax credit is, is that uh, part of the compromise for the AG bill was that we would take a look at that stuff in the next session when we could spend a little bit more time talking about it. So if we're going to take the same attitude with the tax cut, then my preference would be that we move it into regular session where we can actually, you know, take the fine pencil to it to see what it's going to do for the state of for actual farmers in the state of Missouri. Representative, your constituents
0: benefit from six ten-year terms of easy code programs. The guy across the hall said, farmers should get six too. What do you think?
4: Well, I have to agree with Don on this one. I think, you know, first of all, the governor, we have to remember that the governor vetoed this after it was carefully hashed out. That is not easy to get done in this building. Sure. It's carefully hashed out, the plan was in place. And I have to agree with Don that we need to go back and look at this during a regular session. When we're trying to rush through this, um, that's when we get bad policy. And um, I, I have some, again, great concerns about this. As you saw today, we sat here and essentially twiddled our thumbs on the back of taxpayers who are paying for us to be you, here, you not might, doing the people's work. You might not um, have got a
2: raise for your efforts today <laughs> in the real um, world. I, I want to make a note here that we've agreed. I may need to moderate my position now that I, know. <laughs> I agree with them. <laughs>
0: I that, that sounded funny to me. I wasn't sure I heard that right. Chris Sander, uh, right now the governor said two years. It, two years for rural Missouri, six years for urban Missouri is not fair. What do you think?
5: Well, there's four in the middle also, but I don't know. I guess <laughs> we passed you know, one number out of the House and the Senate had two. So um, I don't know. I'd like to see some other things besides the tax credit. Myself, I like to stick to tax cuts and sales tax cuts, income tax cuts. But I try to stay away from tax credits of any kind. So my number would be zero. <laughs> there
0: you go. Bill Harwick, you've got some farmers in your district. That's right. Uh, what if you think of if you're going to have subsidies, which the state does, I mean, if you eliminate them at the federal level, that's one thing, but it, is it fair that you can go to the Central West End and open you up one of those nice coffee shops or vodka, well, I don't know what they do in the city, but you go to Centerville and you're trying to farm and they give you two years?
3: Well, that kind of plays into the general argument against our tax credit structure, that the states picking industries we like, in particular associations we like and funding them to the exclusion of somebody else, that it defies free marketism. Well,
0: State leaders enjoy there. dinner, but they seem to say they don't like farmers.
3: Yeah, no, so if there's a scheme it should be, or structure it should be fair across the board. Uh, the, the argument about two years worth of tax credits is not something that lets us plan ahead, think about how we could, we could forecast. I think it's a good point. That's a very good argument. Something should be fair across the board, across the industry. It's important for us to support agriculture in Missouri. We all like to eat, right? We want food to be produced no, in Missouri. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> we, want, you know, we want to make it in Missouri. We want the supply chains for our agriculture products to begin in Missouri, and we want to sustain it. That's important. But before I know exactly whether this structure is one that I like, I've got to read it. There's not a bill before us right now. So let's just take our time. Whatever product comes out, let's read it. Let's visualize how it affects farmers, how it affects prices, how it affects national security, and then let's have a debate about that and make a call.
0: I've asked you all what you want to see. Tell me right now what do you think
2: happens. Do, they, uh, do you get a tax cut passed? Um, so, out of the three possibilities, um, I'm um, I'm afraid that, uh, normally I'm an uh, optimistic guy, as you well know. Oh, but, very much. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but uh, I'm not holding out a whole lot of optimism to we get anything done next week. Uh, that's just where I'm at with it. Uh, I'd love to see a tax cut come out, for sure. Uh, and if we get the tax credit along with that, you know, I kind of go along with the gentleman from uh, Urban Pulaski. on. Uh, <laughs> on that issue uh, that you know we the economy is probably in peril at some point in the future and that uh, we do need you know that we need these products and services that are provided by our farmers so so you're uh, predicting the tax cut comes uh, i'm saying if we get one we get the other one um, yep. and that'd be the only way I could support it. Representative, what happens? Not what you want to see advocate pass
0: the tax. Credit. Yeah,
4: based on what I saw today, I'm very skeptical that anything's going to get through. I think most likely really? we're going to be here and nothing's going to get through and the Senate. I think what's going to happen is we're going to come back and over, um, overturn some of the vetoes from the governor.
0: The House will. The right. House will. Yes.
4: And. Um, Why
0: would you do that if you know there'll be no in, in the Senate?
4: Well, um, and. It's a good question, huh? I,
0: yeah, it is <laughs> a good uh, question. Bill Arbic, let me, a question. give me the prediction. What I actually think. It's a testament how bad these negotiations have gone, that today yeah. was probably the best day of negotiations they've had. Yeah, I don't think it was a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> I think they made a lot of progress. I'm here to
3: work, and I'm here to, the, the governor showed leadership, putting a proposal out toward the state, presenting options, cost Ooh. and risk to the people and the, the legislature. And now the legislature needs to go to work and look at proposals and look at what's good for people and what future effects are. Let's have a discussion. Let's not be afraid of it. So debate. you say yes. I
5: say if I have anything to say about it, we'll have a good tax
3: cut.
0: That I agree. What, be, what do you think happens?
5: I think we might end up adding something like no sales tax on groceries or food because if we manufacture, produce food here and it goes out of the state, we're not collecting sales tax. So why would we collect sales tax on that sold product here in Missouri? Kansas just got rid of sales tax on grocery. I think Illinois has that going. That's St. Louis, Kansas City right on those states.
0: I've seen the government be pretty open to ideas about this Mm -hmm. from the start, from from the beginning of the process. You know, A lot of this product that I think they're still supporting is things the legislature has brought to it.
5: Yeah, these have been filed, like to get rid of uh, grocery sales tax. That was uh, House Bill 1992, 1779, 1817, last session. Four people filed that to get rid of sales tax and groceries. But I think to agriculture, food, people in need, uh, inflation, sales tax and groceries. Fiscal note of 174 million, and we're talking 700 million total. That's a small portion that we could help everybody every day rather than every paycheck or every you know, uh, time you file your taxes every year. This you can get that chainsaw of for the tax guy. I love those hedge
0: clippers, got the saw out. Don May, let's talk about the Senate race. Uh, it would think in your neck of the woods, Eric Schultz going to do pretty well. Oh, he's going to do really well. Let's take a step back and look at the state. I, I think that there was definitely a chance for Democrats to win this. It was going to take an Eric Greitens, it was going to take probably Danforth's guy in, and some luck, and gas prices to go down. So Greitens didn't, the, probably the most popular one, the hardest to beat one and Eric Schmidt, the Danforth puppet guy quit, and gas is still a three-something. I mean, is this a
2: real race? Um, well, I- anything is up for grabs, but let- let's face it, uh, you know, the, uh, the lawsuits that Eric filed uh, expressed his interest in what he wants to do as a senator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he keeps doing stuff like that, and uh, especially if he starts talking about doing something, uh, perhaps, um, you know, on this Visa MasterCard, um, identification of um, firearms purchases and things like that I'd love to see something like that um, but yeah uh, everything's yeah, going in the right direction
4: wrong. okay Trudy I have uh, nothing but great things to say about Trudy you know, and what she's though. out there doing each and every day talking with voters She's a quality she, person she's a person of incredible integrity yes she's compassionate she's empathetic she's out there listening to voters not just saying talking to them but listening to them about what they need and what they want from their leaders. and I uh, really appreciate that she's not just in Kansas City and St. Louis. She's hitting the road. She's up in rural communities um, and, and that's what we need to do to win.
0: Quality person. One more one to answer. Is it a race?
4: Yes.
2: Don Mayhew with a minute left. Who won the week? Um, the uh, high street business owners. Ah, indeed. That's pretty much all that got done this week. I'm sure the meter will take whatever <laughs> profits they got, but give for them. Uh, who won the week?
4: The KC Current. They are ranked number one in the nation right now. This week season ticket sales um, went open and now people are able to uh, reserve their seats for the first stadium built specifically for a women's professional sports team in the world. That's incredible. Casey Current, if you haven't started following them, uh, tune in. They've become incredible leaders, incredible uh, women that truly are role models for our community.
3: Awesome. Who won the week? Lincoln Huff. You know what transcends politics and all the infighting we have in Jefferson City? being genuinely hilarious and yes. making everybody laugh at themselves. So what a t-shirt, yeah. what a t-shirt. Yeah, it was
5: awesome. <laughs> Who won the week? Uh, Missouri Gaming. I guess I saw the bill on uh, sports gaming filed. That's back in the in the mix with agriculture and tax cuts somehow.
0: But well, there you go. I mean, I, 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 I think it'd be, I would predict that a year from now, we're all betting on football or some of us. Some good. of us with bad
4: in vibes. In Missouri.
5: <laughs> on the <Casey> gaming <laughs> yes.
0: There you go. I'm going to say Senator Caleb Brown. We had a roast this week at the Sorbin Association. What a great sport. What a great guy. Uh, Truly, truly a good guy and a great sport to make fun of when we raise a little money for a charity uh, in Boone County. So I say Caleb Brown won the week. Stay tuned after this for the Cowboy and Judge show on ABC 30. We will see you next week back here from the State Capitol for This Week in Missouri Politics.
3: This Week in Missouri Politics is sponsored by the Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, Amron, Spire, and Sterling Bank.